Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, He is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. My heart is exploding with joy, as is my church today, on this day of days, this eighth day, this resurrection day, this Paschal day, the day of the resurrection of Christ, where everything, everything comes to its fullest meaning, the culmination of all of our fasting, our prayer, the prostrations, the great and solemn, beautiful, deep services of this great week of the Christ, the bridegroom week, this past week has all come to us climactic moment now in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again and again, I say to you, as we say in our church over and over again, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. St. Augustine, I believe it was, it said that joy is not joy unless it is shared. So I am so abounding with the joy of the resurrection right now that I have to share it with somebody. So I brought somebody on board. I just grabbed a regular guy off the street, Luke Potts. <laughs> Actually, he's a parishioner. Luke Potts is the regular guy. Welcome, Luke, to Light of the East. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Thank you, Father, for having me. Are you? Uh, thank you for being with me to share this joy with me so Amen. I can overflow into something, into somebody. And <laughs> I know you're filled with joy as well. So you, you're feeling it yourself, This the resurrection? I am. I, I love this time of year. It's new life, new hope, a, a start of things new. And, you know, spring is just around the corner and the, and the weather Hopefully, we'll get nicer and nicer as, as uh, this Paschal season continues on. Forward. Well, this is the Byzantine church. The Eastern church is at its best. It's the whole church east and west at its best. But in a particular way, since we are about light of the east, we're about conveying those riches and gifts of the Eastern churches in particular. It is a most joyful time for us. And Luke, you enjoy this time, but you've also come to really enjoy and appreciate this particular church, the Eastern churches. And you you weren't born that way. You know, I was born and raised a Byzantine Catholic. My family heritage goes back many generations. I come from a family of priests, a priestly family, which goes back on both sides of my family many generations. So I was very blessed in that regard. And I never left the church. I was always connected with my heritage. But Someone like you, though, you have come to this church. So tell us about that and tell us why. Well, first off, uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, a Roman Catholic, uh, loosely affiliated. 
we never really went to church that much. And as I uh, grew up, I became friends and was still friends to this day with a lot of lifelong evangelical, non-denominational Protestants, you know, the typical mega church type of uh, Christian. And I was involved, very active for close to 15 years in that church. Eventually met the woman who I would marry, Stephanie, and, and we started dating and we got married and I mean, I'm speeding things up here, uh, just to give you a quick rundown. And uh, we eventually found ourselves here in this, uh, in the Eastern Rite. And you know, Father, I'm, we've been here for about six years, five or six years now. And there's just so many different facets of the church that, that pulled me in. Uh, one thing that I absolutely love about it is the, the mysticism of the divine liturgy, like the incense, as some people say, the smells and bells of the yes. church. <laughs> Seeing the icons um, and living the liturgical life as best as I can throughout the year are just some of the things that I felt lacking as a Protestant, but I didn't know it until I really experienced worship as a Byzantine Catholic. And what particular aspects of, of the Byzantine prayer life do you do you find most meaningful? Certainly the joy of the resurrection and the liturgy right. of the church. In fact, you have aspirations to become a deacon. So you I can do. immerse yourself even further in the liturgy of the church. Actually become really the, the deacon in the Byzantine church is the Latin right church too, but a Byzantine church in this regard is a little more evident. He's kind of like the sergeant at arms, right? He even even has certain lines in the in the liturgy, uh, such as wisdom be attentive or let us stand aright, let us stand in awe. You know, he 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 actually says things that bring people to attention, like he's the drill sergeant of the liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> has to keep the ball rolling, you know. Yeah, which is right up your alley because you're a deputy sheriff by profession, so you're used to giving some orders and taking orders as well. That's and keep, right. And that's keeping right. order. And that's and what the deacon order, does. Yes. He keeps order in the liturgy. So uh, so tell us more about what, what what is meaningful to you, most meaningful to you in addition to our liturgy? Well, I would say it would be the uh, the asceticism and, and the prayer life that I've adapted. And, and one key issue or, or key thing, I should say, that, that really has uh, propelled me into uh, a stronger relationship with Christ as my Protestant background terminology would put it, would be what's known as the Jesus Prayer, the Chotki. I found that to be extremely vital in my growth of Christ, uh, the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's the prayer that's said. That's the Jesus Prayer. That's the Jesus Prayer. prayer. And it's usually said using uh, what's called a Chotki, similar to a rosary. They're made out of uh, wool, usually black wool, you know, to symbolize that Christ is the shepherd and we are the sheep, and black to signify our sinfulness. The chotki that I used was made by a really good friend and sister in Christ from Christ the Bridegroom Monastery out in Burton, Ohio. Sister Natalia made me this a couple of years ago when I was out there for a retreat, and I've been carrying it with me ever since. And when you pray the Jesus Prayer, it's prayed with a real focus on Christ. You can synchronize it with your breath. With our breathing, yes, breathing in. The goodness of Christ, you know, taking a, as you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you would breathe in deeply and slowly. And as you exhale, you'd say, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And then you would say that again and over and over again. And it's it's very meditative and it's a way that I found I can really stay in tune with Christ. Yes, it gives you a lot of focus. And it's something that I recommend to people for, especially when they struggle with the passions, which of course we were coming to grips with during this past Lenten season. And now we rejoice in the, well, the hope or the idea that our, we have maybe conquered to a certain extent those passions mm-hmm. or they 
they have been overcome through at least through the death of Christ. You know, he has helped us to to conquer those passions, to heal the body, he's paid the ransom. The body now takes on the, a new meaning. The body is now re- being revealed in Christ. Our body is being revealed in Christ as it will be in the life to come at the at the second coming and at, at the eschaton and our rising up from the dead and the reunification of our body with our soul and our, our glorious, glorious state that we'll be in for those who are saved. I mean, this is this is part of the joy of the resurrection. And in praying this way and in focusing on Christ in this way, has these prayer services and the spirituality, the asceticism, as you mentioned, are they, well, have they made Christ even more real to you? Yes. And I like the frequency that is found here in the, in the Byzantine rite, especially during the season that we just came out of the great fast where there was a number of different services throughout the week that you could attend so you're just not going to church once a week on sunday and you know you have uh, like pre-sanctified i really enjoy pre-sanctified yes and then we have now this week is called bright week and this bright week is called that because we say that this is the radiant resurrection, Christ rising from the tomb, and this, this flash of brilliance, this incredible light, this incredible power. Everything is renewed. We wear white. We decorate everything with white. Everything, the church is made brilliant. In fact, what we do in our church on Sunday morning is we have the matins, the resurrection service, and we light a candle, the resurrection, the Paschal candle. Everybody lights a candle in their hand. They all process outside. They go in procession around the church. And we were taking on the character of the myrrh-bearing women who are going to the tomb. The church becomes the tomb. And we're going to the tomb with our lighted candles because it's before the sun rises, as the scripture says. We're going to that tomb. And we're going to expect to find Christ still buried there because we're coming to anoint the dead body wondering who will open the tomb because there's a big rock put across the entrance. And lo and behold, we come to the entrance of the church, which of course is the tomb, and the priest does some prayers. He takes the cross and he signs the the doors with the sign of the cross. And as he does that, they magically open. And there the church is ablaze with light, the burial shroud that depicted the body of Christ laid in a tomb is now gone because he has resurrected the grave, the tomb, and the church is empty. And we enter into praising God with the the great troparian. Christ is risen from the dead by death. He trampled death. And to those within the tombs, he granted life. So this is what happens on Easter morning. That's just the matin service. And boy, once that starts, it's just like, hold on tight, right? Luke, hold on to your seats because it's going to explode. The deacon's going up and down the aisle shouting, Christ is risen. And we shout back, deity is risen. The cantors are singing the jubilant and joyous hymns of the resurrection. Sweet incense is filling the air in the church. It's, exactly. it's amazing. Exactly. And in the narthex, the sweet aromas of all the foods that we fasted from, they're in our Easter or Pascha baskets with the bread, <laughs> the cheeses, the, the sausages and the hams and all those wonderful things that we fasted from. <laughs> so, and then, then we even come into the liturgy. And then in between the two, the deacon traditionally reads the great and brief, surprisingly brief, homily of St. John Chrysostom, his, his famous Paschal homily, as read by the deacon. And in that homily, Chrysostom is always does a great job of capturing the essence and the joy of this event. 
because he says that those who have come at the last hour, it's okay. If you didn't fast much or whatever, it doesn't matter anymore that he says the table is richly laden. Come and feast. Feast at the mystical banquet of the Lord. Of course, the Easter foods are a symbol of that messianic banquet, that heavenly liturgy in, in heaven, as the book of Revelations points out. So Chrysostom is telling everybody, you know, it's like almost like nothing matters anymore. It's okay. Everything's okay now. Christ has paid the ransom. He's alive now. We have everything but hope. There's no reason for sadness anymore. Don't worry about anything. Just come and enjoy. It's just like the radiant light of the resurrection burns out any kind of darkness. It's just a magnificent, magnificent day, especially through the liturgy, the church fathers, as you said, Luke, even all the smells and bells, even the smell (laughs) of, even from incense to garlic. We'll be back in a moment. This is Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a new reality where first responders, doctors, custodial workers, nurses, police and fire personnel, stockers, dock workers, clergy, religious, and others are in the front lines to combat COVID-19. These people care for your welfare. When you meet one of these selfless people, thank them. Let kindness prevail as we at Light of the East ask you to pray for them. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And again and again, I say to you, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Thank you, Luke. I have Luke here. I grabbed him off the street. <laughs> actually from my parish, to help me handle this joy that is overflowing in me. I mean, it's really palpable, Luke. I remember as a boy, as I said before, I grew up in the Byzantine church. I remember with such fondness these resurrection days. You know, I remember with such fondness the high holy days of the church. The church really was so formative to me. And I remember well these holy days, you know, the, you know, the Christmas times and the the Paschal season, the Easter. But I do so not just in the customs that we have in our homes, you know, the gift giving and the uh, the foods and so on. Yes, that, that was a beautiful part of it. But those things were just an extension of what was the real thing for me. Even as a child, the real thing for me was happening in church. There was something marvelous happening. There was something really mystical happening there. And I, I have to admit that it was... It was the liturgy of the church that that so struck me and gave me that real sense of Christ, especially when it came to the resurrection. I remember one day, Luke, my mother was in tears after church, and she was grabbing people, and they're all saying, Christ is risen, and hugging each other, and she was crying. And I asked her, Mom, why are you crying? 
And she just said, because I'm so happy. Imagine, she was moved to tears through the liturgy of the church. And as I always tell people, I can't stress this enough, it is the liturgy of the church, east or west, that immerses us into these mysteries to the point where they are our experience. My mother was literally one of those women at the tomb, the myrrh-bearing women that came and saw that Christ was risen. Their tears of joy, which they mixed in the myrrh that they brought with them, those tears now became tears of joy. The tears of sorrow moved to tears of joy. And I saw that in my mother. My mother actually became a myrrh-bearing woman. And that's what we all become. Yes, men and women, symbolically, even the guys. You got to think mystically here, guys. Don't worry about it. Not going to lose your guy card. You got to think in terms of that we are all together, the bride of Christ, and the, the women at the tomb. We take on that person. We have to be receptive to this announcement of the good news, to be filled with that joy, and to take that joy everywhere. And in that case, that remember that that Paschal Sunday with my mother's tears, that, and I noticed everybody was just hugging each other and, and crying, and just they were so filled with the joy of the liturgy. You know, the the, the music that we had, the chant, the, the 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 exclamation that Christ is risen, indeed He is risen, and then then the food. You go home and you eat those foods. You know, Luke, I don't know about you, but I can have a sausage or a piece of ham anytime during the year or, or a hard-boiled egg, but, and, and I like it. It's nice. You know, I enjoy it. But there's something about that food. When I sit down after all the services— Just something uh, different about there's it. There's something mm-hmm. so different about it. I think for two reasons. Most jo- It's almost um, like more joyous. Yes, it's more, more exactly. Joy. It's more joyous. And I think part of it, too, is because it's blessed. First of all, it is blessed. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole— ambiance, the whole context of that food, how it's made, why it's made, the preparation, the baskets, the the fact that, you know, again, joy is shared. Everybody comes and brings their baskets and they're all, we bless them all together and the aromas are in the air and like, mm. clashing with the incense. <laughs> it's like the bitter sweet of life. And all our senses are engaged. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really the, amazing. Entirely engaged. And and then when you sit down to eat that, it's, it's a joyful meal. And also... Don't forget, it's, it's the foods that we've been fasting from for 40 days, <laughs> which about halfway through, you start really longing for it, which is why we have the veneration of the cross, putting that symbol in front of us to kind of goad us on, hang in there, keep, keep, I know it's going to but keep going. You don't, you don't need that extra piece of sausage right now. You know, just forget <laughs> that. Wait till Easter <laughs> to Pascha. And that is our tradition. We we put together these foods that we fasted from. They're all very symbolic. We even have a lamb and you know a, a butter in the shape of a lamb. We have these That's right. That's uh, right. cheese balls and and uh, the, all the sausage, you know, smoked sausage, fresh sausage, hard boiled eggs that are decorated, and of course the Pascha bread, the, the the Paschal bread. It's just incredible. And then this week we call it Bright Week, where this was the week when. After you know the catechumenate were baptized, they were given the white robe, the white brilliant robe to put on, the, the garment of salvation. They wore that robe all week, all during bright week, because they were now children of brightness. They were the illuminated ones, they had children of light. And so they wore that and they kept their candles all week long. And during bright week, it's a very festive week, very just like it says, it's, it's bright, it's happy, it's joyful. And we back off a lot on the prayers. They're not quite as intense. They're very jubilant, but not quite as intense as, because let's face it, the week before, we were on our knees a lot, doing prostrations and, you know, from the Andrew Cree with 200 prostrations and the fasting. I mean, we, were, we hit it pretty hard. So we, we back off and we just kind of enjoy. And, and the bright week services are a little easier. On the, on and, I, and I enjoy them. I almost look forward to 
to come into the services on on Monday for for Bright Week. Exactly, because on Monday what we do is we do something. It's a very ancient tradition. We go in procession or again around the church and we read the four gospels of the resurrection from the four corners of the church. Because again, we are taking on the persons of the myrrh-bearing women, but also the apostles, where Christ told them, go forth and teach all nations. So by reading the gospel on the four corners of the earth outside of the church, we're literally, literally proclaiming it to the four corners of the earth in our own way. And then also we read those four gospels because in reading the four accounts, it's another way of, in a sense, proving or affirming, leaving no doubt that this resurrection story really did happen because the accounts of the four Gospels of the Resurrection are all a little bit different. In fact, Mark's Gospel has three different endings to it. So it's not like they all had some kind of a canned, made-up story they're going to tell everybody to, to lie to them and fool everybody. These apostles, they, they took the accounts of, of eyewitnesses. Nobody actually saw the resurrection. They saw things before and after, but never the actual resurrection, the moment of it. Probably wouldn't be able to. They'd be blinded or, I don't know, vaporized or something. They were just too powerful to... Like the light of Tabor that knocked Peter, James, and John on their face, you know. <laughs> uh, so, but but the the eyewitnesses of, of Christ immediately after, you know, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, you know, other women, and of course, church tradition believes that Jesus would have gone to his mother first. She would have been the first to know. It doesn't record that in the scripture. It's almost like it's almost like something you could just presume, and it's kind of kept quiet. It's like that's just between the two of them. <laughs> but we can probably presume that happened. And then he goes to the women at the tomb, and then they go to the apostles. Christ then tells the apostles, he appears to them one week later and tells them, go forth and teach all nations. So this is what we do. And we see that these gospel accounts could not have been just made up as a contrived, canned story that everybody just kind of memorized and mimicked to fool everybody. The, the, the variations in the story are, are signs that Jesus really did rise from the dead. This is an actual, true event. On that note, like for me, the re- one of the reasons why I feel it's such a a joyous experience for me, and I've really come to to value uh, Pashka Sunday and and Bright Week, is you know for me, Father, it starts on on Holy Thursday evening with the institution of the Eucharist. Yes, mm-hmm. and then on Good Friday with Jesus's death, and you go through uh, Saturday, and. It's almost for me, especially like Friday, I feel a very empty, hollow, somber feeling. And it kind of sticks with me through the whole weekend. And then when, when I come to church on Sunday morning, it, it I, I can't really put it into words. And I think that's the mystical about it, yes. ab- about that weekend. And it's it's so joyous that it's like you can't get enough of it. You know, like after the liturgy's over and the blessing of the baskets, and then it's like, you know, it's time to go home. It's like, wow, that was... Yes. That was great. It doesn't seem like it was two hours you're, you're in church and <laughs> yeah. time kind of stands still. It is great. And for those of you who are listening, you've got adult children that maybe have drifted from the church, gather them around here. Gather them around because I want them to hear this, that nowhere else except in the church, the liturgy of the church, can you experience with Luke, the regular guy, he's a regular guy, he could be away from the church too, like all so many regular young people are today. But he knows this joy, and he knows it in a very palpable way, a real way. How does he know it? Just because somebody told him? He's got it all in his head? He's enjoying it in the privacy of his own room or wherever he is? No. He knows it only and strictly, precisely, through the liturgy of the church. Only church can give you a palpable, actual joy of the resurrection, the closest thing to our ultimate joy in heaven. 
And those of you who are listening, especially if you're young adults, I hope you hear this message. I hope you hear it well, that this is why church is so important, why it's so good for you, for all of us. It is because it is through the liturgy of the church, the whole life of the church, in particular its liturgy, and most particularly its Eucharistic liturgy, that we immerse ourselves in a true and indescribable overflowing joy of the resurrected Christ. This is not just a feeling of sentiment. This is not just something I'm saying because I'm a priest and Luke is saying it just because I brought him on the program. He and I both are saying this because we experience this. We know this. This is our joy. And it comes precisely through the liturgy of the church. During this week of Bright Week coming up and for the weeks after for a while, we read the Acts of the Apostles in our church. And speaking of that, you can actually watch the Acts of the Apostles, at least a good segment of it, in the life of St. Paul and the relationship of him to St. Luke. It's a movie that has just come out. It started on Friday, March 23rd. It's called Paul, Apostle of Christ. Heavy hitter actors in this, starring Jim Caviezel and James Faulkner, Olivia Martinez. Beautifully done movie. It's, a, it's got Oscar potential. Let's get out and see it. It's like watching the scriptures. It's actually entering into the scriptures. So take the family, pass the word. We want this movie to really do well. Paul, Apostle of Christ. It's already out there in theaters. Go and see it. You, you'll really be moved by it. And bring some Kleenex, bring some a little bit of facial tissue because the ending is, it'll make you cry. I guarantee it. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Luke Potts, a regular guy, and we are abounding with joy over the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as I hope you are. Thank you for listening. Christ is risen. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. drives us from within. We're giving you the whole picture, real life and faith. Chris Stefanik is on a journey to uncover the bold, courageous Catholic faith found in the hearts of people all over the world. Meet the everyday Catholics who inspire him as they show the world how amazing faith makes everyday life. Real Life Catholic with Chris Stefanik, Thursday, 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Television. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!